Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. As I promised, this entire hour would be all about fashion, given this is a fashion week, but we're talking about black fashion. Uh, uh, we just had a great conversation with uh, Beth Ann Hardison, in case you missed it. Um, check out our podcast and listen at your leisure. She has a new doc out uh, called Invisible Beauty. It hits theaters uh, on September the 15th, later this week. Um, but uh, just a, a delight to uh, be uh, to have uh, had the opportunity to talk to uh, Beth Ann Hardison uh, for those moments uh, about her new documentary. Uh, now, pleased to welcome Nichelle Gaynor to this program. She's author of Vintage Black Glamour and Vintage Black Glamour Gentlemen's Quarters. Uh, and these uh, are meticulously curated uh, uh, books of uh, photographs, collections of photographs spanning nearly a century of black beauty and style, shedding light on an often overlooked uh, African-American impact uh, in this business. And I'm pleased to welcome Nichelle Gaynor to this program. Nichelle, how are you? I'm fine, Tavis. How are you? Doing the best I can. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate, and I'm delighted to, to have you on. I, I have the books in front of me uh, on the desk here, uh, and they are a thing of beauty. Um, you, heard me Thank you. you heard me say a moment ago, we just had a, a great dialogue with, uh, with Beth Ann Hardison. And I wanted amazing. To, yeah, she is amazing. She is amazing. And I wanted to spend this entire hour, again, talking about black fashion, uh, given, again, what's happening in New York City, even as we speak. Um, tell me, though, uh, first, about your approach to the subject matter. You, you're looking at something that... Uh, again, spans a hundred years. That's a lot to lot to dig into. So, give me a give me, put me in the right frame for how you how you approach this. Okay. Well, you mentioned Fashion Week, and fashion is certainly involved. But my interest was, you know, the style and substance behind it all, sure. uh, behind the pretty dresses, behind the pretty faces. And I I thought I was writing a novel initially. Initially, mm. um, I, I was at Schomburg doing some research, and and I came across a picture, and I recognized this beautiful woman as my aunt. Margaret Tynes. <laughs> mm. She had a 50-year career in opera. She sang with Duke Ellington and W.C. Handy, Harry Belafonte. She did a show with him off-Broadway called Sing Man Sing. And so I'm like, what? You know, I knew about her because of our family reunion. You know, black families in our family reunion, the family reunion book. She was a big star of that mm. <laughs> and when I was a teenager. And so I said, there must be other black women just like this that I haven't heard of. I know Dorothy Dandridge. I know Lena Horne, but there must be more, and I was right. <laughs> and I figured that, you know, this this needs to be in the book. People, you know, people are interested in this. There is, you know, I got turned down a lot. People say, oh, are, are people going to be interested? Are black people going to buy this? Can they afford this? Well, yes, they can. Mm. It turns out black people love coffee table books with black people in it. <laughs> <laughs> when, 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 you, when, you, when you reasoned uh, correctly, obviously, that there had to be others that that uh, that you would find uh, in your research when you got into it. How blown away were you by all oh that you God. found? Oh my God! Oh my God! I can't even tell you. The, there are so many uh, people in my books. In the first book, uh, you know, there, there's Eartha Kitt, there's mm -hmm. Lena Horne. Everyone knows them, but there's also people like Blanche Dunn, who was like an it girl of the Harlem Renaissance. You know. At Langston Hughes himself said, a party is not a party, a place is not a place without Blanche. Mm. She was at all the parties, black and white, Game Street, uptown and downtown in New York. She was from the West Indies. She never specified where. She never specified her age. You can get away with that back in the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. But she was everywhere. And so, that you know, uh, uh, Madam C.J. Walker's daughter, Alelia, who threw all of the, uh, the great parties during, um, you know, uh, during the Harlem Renaissance, you know, she had parties in Harlem and also in Westchester at the famous Villa Luaro estate. Uh, she would, um, she famously, for instance, had a party where 
the white guests were served pig feets and hog maws, and the black <laughs> guests were served champagne and caviar. You know, that kind of stuff. So I like telling stories like that about the black folks that we don't always hear about. You know, mm-hmm. so I want, you know, I'm, telling, I'm talking about the legends we know and the legends that we don't know, men and women. Yep. Um, when, you, when you get a chance to curate um, two texts like these, um, just, just, just top line for me, the commentary. Um, that comes to you, the commentary that you could write about what you've witnessed, what you've seen? Well, usually I'm looking for the stories that kind of jump out at me that kind of illustrate our humanity. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, yes, it's common, we know it, but certain things, even to other black folks, I want people to realize that these were people. These weren't mm-hmm. just, you know, people that we put on the pillar. These were artists. They were, you know, creative artists who were sensitive about their ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were... Uh, they were creatives and during a time where, you know, the racism was not so, I mean, it was legal, not that it ever left, but, you know, they navigated things that we don't have to navigate today, not that we don't have a lot to navigate. But I just find it fascinating that even during the 1920s and 30s, you just have it in your mind, you know, I'm going to try to be a model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be an actress, you know, with, during such serious times. And mm-hmm. that the, the bravery, the strength it took to, you know, to come up with that, you know, to to take to do the work that it takes, because also it's not just like I said, it's beyond style. It's also substance. There's a lot of rehearsals involved, dance mm-hmm. rehearsals, vocal lessons, study. You know, taking taking care of your body. There's a lot of work behind the scenes. So I try to pull out a lot of the creative stories, some of the unique anecdotes that people may not have heard. People may not have known that Darcy Dandridge and her best friend used to throw barbecues for the old Black Hollywood set back when they were married to the Nicholas Brothers in the 40s, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So I want to tell the stories that you're not going to see in, in an encyclopedia entry, say, or in, in their obituary, something no. that you're going to see beyond a, an, an article. Yeah. Talk to me about black elegance and, and, and how uh, that phrase became more informed for you doing this research. Well, but the elegance for me, it, it became more informed because... To me, like I said, the style is beyond having a beautiful dress or a pretty face. It's the energy, the substance behind it. If you have, if you are impeccable, like a Diane Carroll, it's it's beyond your pretty face. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the elegance, it's the strength, it's the talent, it's the quality that you bring to your work. That that's you know, you, those people don't last for forty, fifty years for nothing. Yeah. So that is that to me. Th- that is the the glamour and elegance that interests me. Yeah. Uh, so as long as it's as long as it's beyond a pretty face, someone like a Dorothy Dandridge. I mean, we love everyone. Uh, we of course we love Beyonce. Everyone talks about Beyonce's um, amazing work ethic, but she's co- she comes from a heritage of that. Sure, you know, sure. there there I've posted many pictures of Dorothy. In fact, there's a picture. Of, well, I don't know if it's in my book. I forget, but. There's a picture of her rehearsing with Phil Moore, the great black vocal coach, who was in my men's book, who was in the Gentleman's Quarters mm. book. So he he trained Lena Horne, Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe. Dorothy Dandridge, all the, the stars back then, this black man was their vocal coach. There's pictures of her rehearsing and dance rehearsing. But there's so much. I just want to stress the work and the the artistry um, behind their legends. Yeah. Um, I, I am always struck by, and this, this, you know, this stuff comes out over time, and every time it comes out, uh, I, I feel a little stupid that I didn't know about person X, Y, or Z. Now, um, don't feel stupid. It wasn't it, in the textbook. You no, meant to know. I get it. I, I, totally, I totally get it. And, and that's my point, that there are so many remarkable lives, so many remarkable black lives that for so long have been overlooked. And that just troubles me. Uh, it troubles me greatly. 
Yeah, it, it, and that's what that was the point of me doing these books. And in fact, I just finished the third one. Mm, okay, <laughs> um, that's it's coming out next April. Uh, so uh, that's I, I, I basically tried to fit in all the people I couldn't fit into the first book, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first two books. And and you can't do it because luckily there's been so as the generations went on there've been so many more stars you know yeah. so it, it's not like there were just two or three of them there for each generation more and more came along so it, it's the last one that I'm doing so I mean people like Beyonce and Queen Latifah are in it because I'm trying to round it off here you know yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it the rest of my life but I just wanted to acknowledge the artistry and the strength of these black artists and also business people especially in the men's book there are. I have an entire section on uh, black entrepreneurs, like, you know, usually artists, I mean, like Barry Gordy, mm-hmm. Gamble and Huff, uh, you know, I'm from the Philadelphia area, sure. so I had to include them in there. So I, I, that, that, that's my reasoning behind it, to kind of put, you know, to put something for posterity, to put their names in the book, you know, to, to, especially people that you're not going to see often. I mean, Phyllis Hyman is in my mm. women's book. I have Melba Moore in there. I have, you know... You, names like Olivette Miller that people have probably never never heard of, but she was like a celebrity kid. Her father was Flournoy Miller, who was one of the producers behind Shuffle Along, the first black Broadway show. Sure, sure. So he was, and he was a big deal. He was a writer on the Amos and Andy TV show in the 50s. He was a big celebrity. I mean, people forget that there are people who were famous for years and years and then forgotten. Yeah. Um, it turns out, um, as Nichelle Gannon said earlier, that, that black people do like uh, coffee table books uh, that feature beautiful black people. Uh, and that's exactly what she's given us uh, in this collection called Vintage Black Glamour. Her name is Nichelle Gaynor. You're listening to her right now on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Michelle Gaynor, you were talking earlier about um, the ways in which, um, as you uh, tried to uh, bring these, these these books, these texts to life, uh, there were folk who didn't quite get it. Uh, and I know this story myself. I've, I've written a few books in my career. Uh, and uh, oftentimes uh, people don't get the frame that you're trying to put them in and you end up getting, you get, end up getting turned down. Uh, how, how, how did you navigate the uh, the rejections? Yeah, you know, I just kept. What what happened for me is the internet, mm-hmm. <laughs> social media. I had a lot of people. You know, initially the book. I told you that I discovered my aunt in those pictures, mm-hmm. and initially the book that I was writing was called A Diva in the Family. I was going to write a little memoir. Um, in the you know a couple hundred years ago in the late nineties, I was an assistant editor at GQ magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I met a lot of people during that time, and I was, you know, trying to get everyone that I worked with, well, not everyone, but many people that I worked with, got book deals, you know, writing memoirs about maybe a, a unique family member of theirs or something, whatever. But for whatever reason, I could just never get on that train. As social media came about years later, I put it online, and it kind of blew up, as they say, you know, mm. on Tumblr, on Facebook. It, it was everywhere. And my publisher approached me. <laughs> I actually got a, a message from my publisher, and they're based in London. They're not even Americans. They, these are uh, British folks, you know, and they publish these beautiful coffee table books, and, and I checked them out, and they seem legit, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. Mm. And here we are about 10 years later. Yeah. What, what, what did you learn from that experience? I mean, I'm talking now about the Internet. What did you learn from that experience about um, the kinds of things that black folk do, in fact, crave? You know, it, it kind of was confirmation for me that, 
I, that I wasn't crazy, that there were mm-hmm. other people out there that I knew that if I was fascinated by this, and I considered myself pretty smart, and I'm like, why didn't I know about this purchase, like you were saying earlier? And I knew there were other black folks out there. It was not in our, our textbook. You know, we're used to being self-styled detectives. We're used to looking up our history that's not in books and having it passed down, that kind of thing. So I knew there, were, there was an audience, A. And because of the way things fly, now, now algorithms are more controlled. But when they were less controlled, when people could decide for themselves, I saw the interest. I saw interest from even people who are not black. You know, people were interested in in fascinating stories and in other art and other creative stories, that kind of thing. So it kind of proved me right, basically. And also, I learned that you can't control everything. It's not. I wish I could. At you know, some things that I find fascinating and interesting, I found that people maybe weren't as interested in. You know, mm-hmm. they maybe just wanted to see more so the Eartha Kitts and the Josephine Bakers and. Sydney Poitiers and, and, that, and that kind of thing. They were more interested in, in, in which is fine, because yeah. there are always great stories to tell about that. But I always try to tell the stories of some of the lesser-known artists, like, say, Hilda Sims. Mm-hmm. Hilda Sims was an actress in the 60s who was blacklisted. You know, during the blacklist, you know, sure. people don't really talk about the black artists who were blacklisted, blacklisted who yeah. were political at that time and when it was not popular. And Hilda Sims was a, a light-skinned black actress who could have played all kinds of things, but she said, no, I'm black, I'm not going to pretend I'm not black, and mm-hmm. she paid for it. Nope, the, the one person we talk about in that regard is Paul Robeson, of course, but beyond Robeson, we don't get too deep into all those black um, uh, talents um, who were uh, blackballed in that era. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful collection. It's called Vintage Black Glamour. Uh, it uh, it uh, reveals in some stunning photographs nearly a century of black beauty and fashion and style. The author uh, of this series is Michelle Gaynor. Uh, more with her when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. Let's get back to Michelle Gaynor in these three minutes that I have left in this conversation talking about uh, her beautiful text, um, these coffee table books that are gorgeous. Uh, they're called Vintage Black Glamour. Uh, the second one is Vintage Black Glamour, Gentlemen's Quarters. And the third, Michelle, is going to be called what? Vintage Black Glamour Encore. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Encore. And, w- and when's that one? When's the third one dropping? April 2024. Got it. Okay, we'll get ready yeah, for that. Yeah, in the meantime, there's a, I have a, a planner that's in between it, a, a timeless planner, which is a dateless calendar book with Josephine Baker on the cover. So, like I was telling you earlier, to satisfy those, those folks. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, uh, the, the, again, they're, they're gorgeous books. The, the photos and the stories uh, about these beautiful, stylish, uh, elegant black people, are it's, it's rich. And, and yet, um, you don't shy away uh, from the struggle that these black folk had to navigate to be seen as beautiful, elegant, and stylish? Oh, not at all. I mean, you mentioned Paul Robeson earlier. I I wanted to make sure that Mm -hmm. he was in there. I had to make sure that I put every little thing about Paul Robeson in there. And I wanted to not only talk about, say, Eartha Kitt and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dorothy Dandridge and Nat King Cole, but talk about the struggles they had in Hollywood. Dorothy Dandridge and Nat King Cole, um, they pitched a show starring themselves around Hollywood that was turned down. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of an in an I Love Lucy vein. Mm-hmm. Turned down. Eartha Kid and, and Sammy Davis Jr. were in a movie called Anna Lucasta, and they had to write letters to Southern theater owners stating that this the film was not indecent and all this other nonsense. All of this, and they put their own money in the film too. People never talk about that. Yeah, 
No, this is a struggle uh, to be seen, uh, be seen for, for who you are. Um, so you, you said earlier that you're going to stop after this third one, uh, the Encore, the Encore project, and yet I know there must be a whole lot more there to excavate uh, if you have the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm, I want to use other mediums. And sure. so, I mean, once the writer's strike is over, yeah. um, I've been working with um, a set of producers on a docuseries version of, of oh, the book. Oh, cool. You know. So that's, I'm um, hoping to get, we've been doing that for a couple of years. I'm sure you've heard a thing or two about Hollywood development. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's, uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm going to do my own podcast, you know, and just, you know, just try some other things. So oh. just. Yeah. It was it was a, it was a, it was is a brilliant idea. I'm glad somebody got around to doing it. And again, the uh, the cover of the book, the the, the 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 feel of it, the fabric. I mean, the it's beautiful. I'll say nothing of the photos Thank and the so stories. Much. It's Thank just you. it's just richly richly done. Uh, you have done justice to all these black people uh, and their elegant, uh, beautiful, uh, stylish selves uh, in this series called Vintage Black Glamour. Uh, was the first one. Vintage Black Glamour Gentlemen's Quarters was the second, and Vintage Black Glamour. Encore is the third. Her name is Nichelle Gaynor. Nichelle, thanks for bringing this to us, and good to have you on this program. Thank you so much, Tavis. Thank you for your time. That's our program for today. Back here tomorrow, Lord willing, to do it all over again, uh, three hours. Uh, moves fast on days when you have great talkers uh, and great subjects. And so I thank all of our guests for being on this program today.